Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. A few weeks ago, I started a new series that I'm calling Ecclesia, God's Version of the Church, which in my opinion, is far different than most Christians' version of the church. And, and we're going we're gonna to spend, I feel like, probably a season, like really getting into like what does God believe his church is? Because in some ways, I think it's going to help, I, I hope, redefine perspectives and belief systems um, and, and hopefully recalibrate. My, my son just waved at me. Recalibrate our ideas about what the body of Christ actually is and, and, and God's um, belief in the identity of the church. Um, two weeks ago, I didn't preach last week, obviously. Two weeks ago, I, I had this in Revelation 12, and I did not get finished with that. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Revelation 12 and just kind of hang out there. I'll get to it soon. But uh, two weeks ago, I, my message was called The Dragon and the Church. And, uh, and talking about, about Satan and his arch enemy, the church, okay? We're going to go deeper in it today. Um, we have a core value that we call hope in a glorious church. And so that's really the, the heart of this series is to go after uh, just an just upgrade in our hope in a glorious church. And my mission in this is to help restore our view of the greatness of the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Today, the title of this message is called The Overcoming Church. The Overcoming Church. Last time, the dragon in the church. This time, the overcoming church. Come on. And I, and I told you, I'm going to start out with some review because I got to guess kind of calibrate it again so I can then dive off that into the next level. So I want you guys just kind of put your seatbelts on, all right? Because I'm going to bust through a lot of stuff. And uh, if you don't have your seatbelt on, you might get spiritual whiplash. You're going to have to stay with me. <clears throat> I, I talked to you guys about how two summers ago, um, we, my family was vacationing in Curry Beach at my sister's condo. And I was out on the deck one night and praying, and I, I just felt a weightiness of God's heart come on me, and and I, I felt it so strong, like uh, my heart just, I, I was I was having an awesome vacation, but but simultaneously, I could just feel like this weight of God's burden, the burden of his heart for his church, and, and he was just, and I, I went into this two weeks ago, I'm not going to spend time on it, but he just started showing me how um, he, how burdened he is about how people have demeaned their their view of what the church is and have judged it. And so, and, and we, we have this motto that says you behave according to who you believe you are. And so when we believe that the church is failing, then, then we perpetuate cycles of failing virtues. Does that make sense? And, and the Lord just sees his church way, way different than we tend to. Even though there's flaw, even though there's failures, even though there's things that, 
uh, haven't been done super well historically. Like God doesn't focus on the problems, he focuses on the solutions. And as we've been teaching in our our culture, a culture of honor, our prophetic culture, that we need to stop focusing so much on the dirt because everybody can see dirt. It takes the, the eye of the Holy Spirit to see past the dirt and to see gold and to be able to call the gold forward. And that's what we got to do with the ecclesia, the church of Jesus Christ, is we got to see the gold and start calling the gold out and start activating the good things and the glory that God has stored within the, the DNA of his church. And let me remind us that the first sermon that I gave on the Ecclesia was about Pentecost, the Holy Ghost, and the birth of the church. And I want to tell us, I want to remind us that in the very DNA of the church of Jesus Christ is the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the outpouring of God and revival. Amen. Amen. So we, we got to reawaken our understanding of who God knows the church is, stop judging it for all the areas that we've failed, and start calling the gold out and calling the good things forth. And that's what we're going after, amen? amen. So that was, that was what he put in my spirit two, two summers ago, and I've been waiting since then because he's just kind of been letting it marinate in me for a long time. And I went on this, this several months journey of diving into the Word and trying to see, I, I don't need to read a, a, an amazing theologian's book on the, on the word ecclesia. Like, there, there's plenty of great stuff about, you know, what, what, what did ecclesia mean and how it, how, like, what did it look like in the ancient days? Like, I want to find out first, I'll take that stuff in its time, but I want to know what does this dude right here say about it? Because the Bible needs to be the beginning of, of, of the knowledge that we're building on. Amen. And so I want to give us a little bit of review. I talked to you guys um, for quite a bit two Sundays ago about uh, just a the like theological approaches to the book of Revelation and how there's different types of books and different ways to read them. And I spent a lot of time on that. I'm not going to redo that. But I want to remind us um, that the, the, the book of Revelation has multiple types of writings within it. There's epistle, which is writings to church. There's poetry. There's, um, there's prophecy. And, a, and it's an apocalyptic book. So it, it's got a lot of variety. So different parts of it, you, you read it differently. But the, the chapter 12, which is right in the middle of the book, is what is called the theological key of the book. All right? The theological key. It is, it's a like, like you take that chapter to see the, the expanse of all that God's trying to accomplish through that whole book. You look at it in that, in that chapter, and then, and then that, the understanding of what happens in chapter 12 should unlock more understanding of big picture, all right? And I also want to remind us that one of the things I explained is that if you read Revelation kind of like a, like a play, there's like plays have different sections with different purposes, but but plays always start out by introducing the characters of the play. Right? You you got you always start off introducing who this story is going to be about, and then it goes from there and it creates a setting so you can kind of see like what, what like the context of what everything else is going to unfold within. All right. Well, the first three chapters, the the. Um, the characters that get introduced are Jesus, come on, it's all about him, right? 
And John, the revelator, who was having the encounter, so he was the, he was the one that God was given his oracles to, to declare, right? And then from there, there was the, the I think it was the seven churches. There's seven churches, right, that get introduced, and then the angels to the churches. And so those guys that I just listed right there, that's the main people of the whole book. So it's not even so much about Satan. It's not even so much about the Antichrist or the two witnesses. Like those, those people show up in the story, but they're not actually the main characters. Get what I'm saying? The main characters is Jesus and the church and the angels that go with the church and then the revelator dude. Okay? So when, when you start unpacking this stuff and you look at chapter 12, chapter 12 is kind of like a macro view, which means large-scale view, right, of all the details that's going to happen. And so it, it, it kind of gives you, like, like all the other chapters kind of give you more of an earthly perspective of spiritual matters that's going to happen. But chapter 12 gives God's angle, so you can get a, you can get a, a heaven-to-earth view of what's going on through that one chapter. Does that make sense? All right, moving along. Um, I also told you that in 2020, when we were in the midst of chaos, I had a vision, and, and I saw Satan, because this chapter talks about Satan as the great red dragon, right? And, and I had this vision, and I saw Satan. He looked like Smaug. We talked... You know, we talked about it. his name, Smog or Smog. Well, if you live in Los Angeles, it's definitely Smog, all right? But, but I don't know. I, I, I like saying Smog because it just is funner to say it. But, but it, it, he looked a lot like that. Like in the vision I saw, like the dragon was about as big as my neighborhood, maybe bigger even. And he's flying around and he's like looking. And he's, he's, he would stop and he'd look into a church like angry, like looking in it like that, or he'd look into people's homes like this. Or, but, but he's the one who's behind all the chaos in this world. Like he is the author of all confusion. He's the author of all hate and sin and all the stuff that's evil. He's the author of every war and battle and fight that's ever happened in this world. Didn't need to happen if he didn't influence the reasons why they happened. Does that make sense? So I see in that vision, and it just, like, I don't think he was really there like, I don't think I was actually encountering Satan, but I felt like God was letting me see kind of just a picture of that. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust through, and I'm going to, uh, you guys get your seatbelts on, because I'm not, not playing around here. We're going to go over some bumps and curves and whiplashes. Verse, I'm going to read, I'm going to review verses 1 through 10, just to kind of remind us of a few things, and spring off into the rest, and I'm going to sprint. All right. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. And I'm just going to stop real fast to say, that, and, oh, it's, and then it goes on, then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth, all right? And so a lot of people might read that and they think it's Mary. I told you guys two weeks ago, it's actually Israel, it's not Mary, because it wouldn't make sense prophetically when you read the whole thing for it to have been Mary. But, but it's, it's Israel, and a connection to that prophetically would be um, back when Joseph had a dream. You know, Joseph 
was the one who was going to save all of the nation, right? Before it was even a nation. And, and he had a dream that a sun and a moon and the stars were going to bow to him, right? That's Israel. It's the sun and the moon and the stars. There's 13, sorry, there's 12 stars. That's 12 tribes. You can see the picture there? So I just want you to understand this, that this is not talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus, talking about Israel. <clears throat> All right, verse 3. And another sign appeared in heaven, above, or behold, a great and fiery red dragon, smog, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. So, he, so Satan literally was able to take one-third of all the angels of heaven. He deceived them. Can you believe that? In heaven, he was able to deceive one-third of God's heavenly hosts to follow him, all right? And the dragon stood before the woman and was ready to give birth, to devour her child as soon as it was born. And so um, you think about Herod, who tried to kill all the, all the male children so that Jesus wouldn't be able to be born and become the king of kings, right? Satan was behind that whole thing. You get God's view, and you actually see that red dragon right there breathing down Herod's neck, okay? You guys awake this morning. All right. If you're like me, you might be thinking about ribeyes on charcoals, but you got to press through, guys. We're pressing through. All right. She, she bore a male child who was, a, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. And I talked to you guys about how that one verse right there is a one-verse summary of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because that's Jesus, and, and this is after he had died and resurrected and ascended and was seated at the right hand of the Father, right? Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a, where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. And they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Everybody say, there's no place in heaven for Satan. That's good news, huh? Come on. So Satan, or sorry, so heaven is Satan free. And say, sorry, Hayton, I can't even talk. Hayton is, sorry. Oh. Heaven is demon free. Come on. Heaven also is deception free. Heaven is temptation free. Heaven is impurity free. Come on. There was a moment when Satan was, was able to get pride in his head and deceive himself that he could be worshipped. And God gave him the big fat boot, and Jesus saw him fall to the earth like lightning. Because there's no way that there's going to be two separate lords, right, in, in heaven. And so somehow Satan had deceived a third of the angels. And when he got kicked out, they all followed right down with him. There is no demon. That was like the only time that God was ever allowing there to be any 
temptation and deception that happened in heaven. He allowed it one time because he likes to give everybody the choice to choose him or not to choose him, right? But that's done now. It will never happen again. That's amazing. All right. So, so Michael and his angels fought with the, with the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought, and they did not prevail. Everybody say he did not prevail. Did not prevail. Nor was there a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world. Everybody say he deceives the whole world. Can you, can you even fathom? Like, I can fathom me deceiving a few people, okay, if I really wanted to. But Satan has deceived the entire world. He is not some small little dude. He, like, he's not weak. He, he is extremely brilliant and extremely crafty and extremely powerful, all right? We have to understand this. So he deceives the entire world, and, and, and he's deceived you at some point. He's, he's deceived me at some point, all right? We, we need to understand, like, that's crazy that he has that much power. Now, I'm not saying that Satan himself has done all of it. He works through his hierarchies and stuff, but that's a whole other kind of a teaching I don't have time for. Okay. He deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Verse 10. This is where I want to stop for a moment. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his church, sorry, his Christ, have come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And, and I spent some time two weeks ago really going after that. Like, like yeah, Satan is horrible. He is evil. He's the, he's the worst evil that's ever been. And he's extremely powerful. And, and he will eat your lunch if you let him. He's, he's trying to eat the lunch of anybody he can. He's come to kill, to, dis- to kill, and to steal, and to destroy. All right? And, and he is way more powerful than you and I are if we're functioning on our own wisdom and strength. All right? And unfortunately, it's kind of scary. I think a lot of people pick fights with the devil, and they, and they weren't led by the Spirit, and they're actually putting their dukes up on their own wisdom and their own strength. And boy, are the, is their lunch going to get eaten Okay, it's dangerous. However, the good news is that now salvation has come. Strength, which is dunamis, miracle power, has come. The kingdom of our God, the, the, the domain of our king has come. Hallelujah. The power of his church, I keep saying church because it's underlined and it's crossing through some of the letters. I'm seeing it wrong. <laughs> power of his Christ has come. 
Hallelujah. The power, that's, a, that's exousia. That's the authority of the very King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of this universe, the one who sits on the highest throne. He has, there's nobody who has authority that matches his, but he's delegated his authority to his, to his people, his disciples. Come on. That's good news. All right? And so he's given us these things. He's brought us his salvation, his power, his authority and the kingdom, and the Christ, which is the anointed one with the anointing of the Messiah that he shares with us so that we can demonstrate and take dominion. Amen? All right. Why did he do that? Because the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. All right? So he... he like even though like smog is out there and he's more powerful than any human being or any even even any government like isn't it crazy he's so powerful that he can actually apprehend governments and nations that's crazy it's horrible he's 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 big and he's bad but we need to understand that God has given us greater power in Jesus Christ He's given us dominion. He's given us the power to overtake Satan and all his demons and all the powers of the enemy. He's given us authority. This is good news. Like, it, like to be able to see how powerful the devil is, like we, we actually need to know that. We, we, need, we need a sobering of the reality that there is a demonic kingdom out there that is corrupting and twisting and deceiving everybody who doesn't, who's not grounded in Jesus Christ. It's not a small deal. We need to know what our enemy is, but that doesn't mean that we need to be afraid. It means that we actually need to understand even more what Jesus Christ has given to us and that he has actually put the very power of his, of his name and the very power of His Spirit on us and in us, and lifted us up to become far greater than any human being walking this earth could ever be on our own strength. Like, to, to be able to see how big the devil is, is is important, not so that we can feel inferior, but because we need to understand that He's made us even more powerful than that. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> and so, yes, and we wrestle not with the flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And Satan is called the God of this world with a lowercase g. Let's keep that, let's keep that out there. So he's, he's, he's ruling and reigning in the kingdom of darkness, which is everything that's outside of Jesus Christ, okay? There is an us and them. Like, people hate that terminology, us and them, because it sounds like we were being judgmental. Jesus is the one who created us and them. You're either in him or you're not, all right? We're not trying to be judgmental. He died on the cross 
to bring everybody that would be willing to into him so that the us and them doesn't have to stay so distinct and different. Like he, he wants everybody in him, okay? It's not a judgment statement. It's actually a compassion statement. Like God, we want people in him. But, but outside of him, it's the kingdom of darkness and the, and the devil has permission out there to do all the evil. Unfortunately, if we allow it, okay? But God has actually given us the authority and the power to take dominion, all right? I wanna, I wanna remind us of some things I said. <clears throat> some of Satan's strategies, feel like the, feel like we need to stay on this a little bit. Satan lost the war in heaven and he cannot stand there. Hallelujah. You guys, you guys need to, Come on, get in this with me. <clears throat> All right? Heaven is where everything is already completed. Okay? It's, it is finished. And, and in, the, in heaven, all truth is known in heaven because there is no deception there any longer. He had his moment to deceive a third. That's done. He's not there. He cannot influence the environment of heaven. So in heaven, it is like all things are finished and all truth is known. And he has no access there any longer. You guys follow me on that. All right? There's no deception that exists in heaven because the deceiver's gone, which tells me, and I want you guys to get ready to jump if you need to. This tells me that Satan knows that he cannot win against the armies of God who stand in God's truth of the kingdom and all that Jesus has accomplished through his cross. Yeah. I want to say it again. Not for a response, but so you'll get it. If that's how it is in heaven and Satan knows he has no access there, then that tells me that if we, the church, the, the believers, okay, if, that if we stand in the truth of God's kingdom and all that Jesus has accomplished on the cross, that Satan knows he cannot win against us. It's true. It says that Satan deceives the whole world. He's cast out of heaven where he has no power to deceive. Now he's in this world with fallen humanity amongst a lot of people who do not understand all that Jesus has accomplished through the cross. Does not understand all truth. So Satan's only hope of winning any war against the church or anyone is to wage it against people who do not know the truth and do not live from the truth of the gospel and, the, and the, the, the truth of Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. So if Satan can find ways to get to people who are not believing in kingdom truth, that's his only hope to bring attack that can actually do damage. You guys... Listen to me. Knowing the truth and living from the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives you full victory over any attack of Satan. 
It's true. That's why Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Satan can only get access to where there's lies or unconfessed sins in Christians or bad belief systems, which is, I guess, the lies, right? You guys, you guys with me? A verse to tag on to that is 1 John 5.18. says, we know that whoever's born of God does not sin, which really means that we don't, like, we don't stay in our sins, all right? So whoever's born of God, everybody say, I've been born again, all right? So, so if we're born of God, we, we need to not stay in our sins. We gotta, we gotta stay clean, right? <clears throat> if we do that, and it says, but he who has been born of God keeps himself or protects himself. We, I, I guard my life that's connected with Jesus Christ and my salvation. If, I, if I'm that person, it says the wicked one, Satan, and all his demons does not even touch him. Can't even, boop. <laughs> if we're born of God and we're living in his ways, the devil can't even come and touch you. <laughs> it is good. All right, so Satan's greatest weapons against Christians are deception and accusation. Okay? Deception and accusation. Okay? Those are both just, we read both of those. He deceives the world, and he's the accuser of the brethren, right? Deception and accusation. And these are both lies, because, Jesus, because what Jesus has done has canceled all of our faults. So even when Satan would try to bring accusation against us, if we have repented and we stay in Christ like that and the devil tries to bring stuff to shame us, guess what? He's trying to shame us about something that God says is non-existent. And that's the gospel. So Satan was cast down from heaven. His accusations don't penetrate into God's throne room any longer. They carry no weight, okay? So Satan can't go there. But when you know that you're seated in Jesus Christ in the heavenly places, okay, and you understand the work of the cross, Satan's accusations should not penetrate you any longer either. Hope you guys are taking the stuff in good. So Satan has been defeated in heaven, and now God's expecting us to defeat him right here on this earth. Okay? So we, we, we talked a lot about this. God's equipped us with salvation. He's equipped us with dunamis power. He's equipped us with his kingdom. He's equipped us with the authority, the exousia of Jesus Christ. He's equipped us with the power of Jesus Christ himself. He's given us his anointing to walk in this world. And so today I wanna, I'm going I'm to keep pushing into this, all right? That Satan, Satan deceives the whole world, okay? I want, to, I want you to think about this. The church is Satan's arch enemy. We are his greatest threat on this planet. 
That big dude, right? If there's no government, there's no political group, there's no social group or anything that's going to do anything to bring damage to Satan. But the church doesn't just bring damage to Satan. We can crush him. Amen. All right? One of Satan's greatest attack or tactics to weaken the church, weaken Christians, is to get us questioning if the biblical moral absolutes are actually absolute. The, are, the, are the biblical abs, moral absolutes really absolute? And, and it, you can think about it. Like he'll say, did God, did, did God really say that? Did God really mean that that's sin? Get people start wondering, like, like you know, in society today, like in, even in the church, like things that have always been black and white, fundamentals, even, even dating all the way back to the very Ten Commandments. Oh, is sex outside of the marriage of man and woman? Is that, is that, did he really mean that was sin? Hmm, maybe that's not actually what it meant. But it, but it starts getting you, like, questioning things, right? And, and like, he'll, he'll even create philosophies and theologies around all this stuff to get us start weakening our idea about moral absolutes. And then, but the devil asked Adam and Eve that. Did God really say that you shouldn't eat that or you'll die? And maybe what he really meant is you can do this and it's not only going to be okay, it's actually going to be better. That's how the devil tries to work with us. You choose your own path. It'll be all right. You do you, boo. That's the, that's the postmodern ideals, and it's in the church. I'm finding out more and more how much churches are not preaching what's right and wrong and truth and evil. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm trying to get a little more straightforward about some of this stuff because I'm realizing how much is needed because some people don't understand this stuff because they're being taught by things that are not scriptural about this stuff. And Satan lured Adam and Eve to do something. He, he got them to compromise their value system so that he could get them. He, he tricked them into thinking, this is going to be nice for you. But he knew, and they didn't, that he's actually luring them into absolute bondage so he could become the controller of their lives and that they, they would raise an entire human race under his lordship so he could have bondage and drag them to hell. Like, we have, to, we have to sober up to this stuff. And the devil will do anything. He'll, even the greatest grounded person in, in Scripture, if he can find just a little, a little crack, he'll try to work that thing as much as he can, a little bit, a little bit to try to weaken us a little bit more because the, the, the weaker I can get over the long term, the more weak I get to where he gets a back door in. we got to watch out. Okay? I don't want us to, get, to become Satan-focused too much, but, but the Bible does say it, that, that we need to be vigilant and aware of the tactics of the devil. All right, we do have to guard ourselves. 
I want to I bust through the rest of this chapter, and then I'm going to go back and break some stuff down. Starting, let's hit verse 11. I'm just going to bust through the end here. Get your seatbelts back on. And they overcame him. They overcame him. Come on, everybody say that. They overcame him. See, the devil is huge, and he's massive, and he will destroy anybody he can, but the only people he can... Oh, man. The only people he can destroy are people who do not know the truth of the kingdom and the work of the cross and the burial and the resurrection. When we know that stuff, we are in absolute protection, and, and he can't even get to us. When we live from that place, we are completely shielded, and we're hidden in Christ. Who are we hidden from? Like the Lord protects us, but he doesn't only protect us and shield us. He actually wants to raise us up in the, the very power and the authority of Jesus Christ so that we're not just protected and hiding out, but we're protected because we're surrounded by the shield of faith that, that extinguishes every fiery dart of the enemy because he wants to actually cause us, I don't mean individually, as the ecclesia united together to go forth and crush Satan. <laughs> Hello. All right. All right. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. Blood of the Lamb, word of the testimony, not loving your lives to death. Okay? Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Why would they rejoice? Because they don't have Satan there anymore. Okay? But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Come on. Satan is pissed. Hallelujah! All right. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the one who gave birth to the male child, so he knows he has no power in heaven anymore, and so what does he do? He comes to the earth, because that's the only place he's allowed to be, and then he goes and he tries to find that woman, right? Right? the woman that God created, Israel's beloved nation, and he's been trying to persecute and torment that beautiful nation since its very beginning, okay? But, but the God's protected it so much, okay? It says that he, he came to persecute the woman who gave birth to the male child, but the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her, in, to her place, where she is nourished for a time and a times and a half a time. Theologians will break that apart. I'm not going to. From the presence of the serpent. So, so somehow the Lord miraculously protects Israel from Satan. All right? So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the, after the woman. So like, you just get that picture. Like he is, he is angry. I can't even touch you, so rah, like, like a lion that's angry, all right? And uh, I lost my spot, though. All right, 
that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. I just want you to just see here. I, I'm not going to try to define all that stuff prophetically, but I just think it's amazing how God has miraculously protected Israel in all of history. And, and we know that God has allowed enemies to have, have gains there because of, of immorality and, and worship, like idolatry and stuff. But in the big picture, God has always protected Israel. And this is even given this clue that, that he's so protective that he'll even cause the earth, if have to, the, the force of nature even, are going to protect Israel. So like... We can, we can hear all the stuff that, that, my, that the evil nations want to do to try to destroy Israel or whatever, but God has had his sovereign hand on that nation forever, and we are blessed when we give our love to Israel. Amen? That's scripture, by the way. All right, but verse 17, the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So Jesus was the firstborn, right? According to this passage here, he was the first offspring. And, but the Bible says that Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren. And so there's going to be many more. And that's talking about the Christians. It's actually talking about the church, okay? It's those who keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. It's us. All right, it's us. And so that's what that, the, the devil's biggest target is the church. That's what I want you to see. Like all the stuff that's been raging in this world, like it's all, it's all initiated by Satan from his war room. But who's his enemy? It is not white people or black people. It's not gay people or straight people. It's not any it's not one nation or the other nation. It's not those are not his actual enemies. It's the church. It's the church and he's doing anything he can to try to try to weaken the church and try to get the church to compromise in moral absolutes and trying to get the church to compromise to give space to him and everything. You guys hearing me this morning? So the devil, he's the accuser of the brethren. When we know who we are and we walk it out, the devil's no match for us because greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. The accuser's been kicked out, all right? Um, he, he, he brings accusations. He's trying to cast shame on God's people to make us feel inferior to who we actually really are in Christ. Okay, that's his tactic. There is no shame in the kingdom of God, by the way. The fiery darts that Satan usually tries to use comes through people and their brokenness. And even can use Christians to be as pawns to bring fiery darts to one another. Uh, okay, I'm going to keep pressing through. hope you guys are all right. Power of life and death is in the tongue, and if, if the devil can get anybody have a, functioning from their brokenness, 
we can, we can react to people and say things that God would never say, and the devil used that to attach fiery darts, try to w- bring people down. So accusations don't just come from the invisible realm. They come through one another too. And, and we can say things that we will later regret if we even have a conscience about it. The devil can use us to bring our brother or sister down. That's a sad, that's a sad day when that happens. It happens all the time because we're not watching our hearts with each other. Amen? All right. So, but there's people who are always calling people out and accusing each other of things, one thing or another. And this comes from the, from, it's actually inspired by the accuser of our brethren. And there's, there's religious spirits that are judging people because you don't do it the way I think you should. Or there's political spirits, oh, well, you, you're that party, I'm this party. And there's always fighting going on. There's social issue spirits, the prejudice spirits. Like all these things, it's, just trying to, it's always trying to create enemies out of one another. Trying to, it's always focused on what, how, how smart am I about what, how wrong you are. And, and, and so like focusing or attacking each other because they don't do it the right way or they're, they're bad inherently because of sons, whatever it is. Like how, how does that do anything helpful? All it does is it tears things down, okay? And it gives the devil a place to try to destroy people. People leave churches because they have offenses that they, didn't, they weren't willing to work out. Or whatever. Like there's just things that's going on all the time, right? Brokenness in families because unforgiveness didn't, ha- didn't get worked through. Accusations. It's all dis- inspired by the devil. He, he, it's, it's his greatest weapons. Deception, accusation. Sometimes we are his weapon. You guys listening to me? The devil wants to condemn you because of your flaws, but when you feel condemned, you feel like that shame thing come on you or whatever, here's what you can do. He wants to remind you of what you've done. Some people say when the devil tries to remind you, what you where you've been, remind him of where he's going. Well, that's, that's good, but I got a better one. If the devil tries to remind you of what you've done, remind yourself of what Jesus Christ has done. Because that's all that matters. If this was by our works, we're all doomed. <laughs> it's by his works only. Amen? And that is the word of your testimony. All right? Jesus literally crucified himself to save you from judgment. So when we feel judged, we're, we're, we're actually letting ourselves come outside of the very thing that Jesus gave to us. Coming under judgment, he actually saved you to set you free from judgment. All right, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives to death. I've got to bust a few more thoughts out to you guys before your wives go home and fire up your grills. That's what I think is going to happen for me. What's that? Oh, that wasn't directed at you. We already have our plan in place, so. 
All right, th- first of all, I want to say this does not say that they tried to overcome the devil. They did overcome him. All right? There's no try. It's <laughs> there's no try, like Yoda said. You either do or you do not. All right? They, they tried, they did not try to overcome him. They overcame him. We need to understand that we are the more powerful ones. If you don't understand that you're the more powerful one, then you're not aligned with the truth, and that's something God wants to work in your heart. Okay? But this, this says we, we don't only endure the attacks of Satan, we overcome the attacks, the attacks of Satan. That word overcome is, is in the Greek is nikaio, which means to conquer, to overcome, and prevail against something. All right? We can't do this by our own strength or wisdom. But we can do it by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. All right? We need to always stay close to the cross. That is a key in the kingdom. When we, when we forget that the cross is, is fundamental with everything, we've kind of we've drifted away from center point. All right? Stay close to the cross. And the word of our testimony. I want, we need to continually remind ourselves of who we are and what God's given to us. Okay? Got to continually declare over ourselves and outwardly what Jesus has done and who we are. And I want to say our testimony is not about what we have accomplished. Okay? It's not, about, it's not even about who we used to be. But it's about what Jesus has done and what he has accomplished. And that is the power of our testimony. You can leave the other parts out even. It's still powerful if you just focus on what Jesus has done. It's all about Jesus and what he's done, what he's given to us. Amen? Amen. We've got to remember and declare his works because if he was faithful before, he's going to be faithful now, right in the face of the trial that I'm facing right now. All right? And also, the third thing, the way they overcame the devil, the, the blood of Jesus, the word of their testimony, and not loving their lives unto death, okay? That means that they loved God and they clung to what they were standing for no matter what, even when persecution and death was facing them. They were willing to go all the way, all right? We need to understand that, that, there, that the devil wants to bring whatever pressure he can to get you to compromise. He wants you to compromise. So, but, but they were willing to be martyred for Jesus, that's not a problem we really see, but you might, you, you might get persecuted in many other ways. But, but I want to tell you something, even in 2023, right here in America, right, right here in Carmel, Indiana, where, we, where life is cozy, we need, to, we need to come to terms in our own spirit, man, with Jesus Christ. I'm willing to die for you. I want you to hear this. I have to, I have to work through this sometimes. So I, don't, I don't think it's a, you do it once and it's that way forever. Like it's a constant decision. I'm willing to die for you. And the, the fear of death. That, the fear of death is the ultimate end of all things on this earth, right? Like if we can conquer the fear of death, what else can get a hold on us. 
And when you die, you just step right in there with Jesus. Now, I know as a parent, it's, it's harder to think about it now. That means, I, that means my wife and kids are going to suffer. I know. I still need to work this out. Do I love Jesus enough to go all the way to death for him? I remember if one time when things looked scary and Jessica and I had to talk through this stuff. What if, what if we made a stand and unjust, unjust reactions come and I get put in prison? <laughs> I mean, there was, a, there was a time when that even looked like it could happen. It still could at some point. And guess what? Jessica, Jessica said we need to stand no matter what. God will work it out. That's awesome. But we have to be willing. Like, how far am I willing to go for Jesus? Am I even willing to be killed for him? And it's a question that we need to ask. But, but Satan, if he can't get you, but through deception, he'll try to get you through accusation. If he can't get you through accusation, he's going to get you with persecution. If he can't get you through persecution, he might try to get you through martyrdom. These are, it's like a, he'll, he ups the ante. If what he, doesn't, what he tries doesn't work, he might try the next place. Are we willing to endure all things for Jesus yeah. and go all the way? These need to be sobering thoughts to us. Okay? All right. I want to I also say this. It says that they overcame him. They overcame him. It doesn't say some individuals overcame him. It says they overcame him. It's plural. It's the uniting of God's people together, standing together, being able to endure through hardship together. All right? The individuals, it doesn't say that. It's plural. It's done together. The body of Christ stands together. You guys hear me? A couple of weeks ago, I was struggling with something. And guess what? I called Seth so that he can pray with me to to just release truth and encouragement and strength on me. Why would I do that? Because we're not supposed to do this stuff alone. Amen? Amen? And another, another week recently, I was actually struggling with some temptations, and, and, and it was barraging me. The devil was trying to, like, come at me at a time when I felt a little weak, and I, I reached out to a brother in California. I reached out to my buddy, Tony Costa, and one of my spiritual fathers, and I said, listen, guys, I haven't sinned, but I'm feeling this thing trying to come against me. I need you guys to pray for me and encourage me. I need the reinforcements. And they did. And guess what? I conquered it. And I didn't sin. Hallelujah. Yeah, and that's awesome. But my point is, we need each other. And we need to be able to acknowledge that on our own, we might be too weak to do the thing that we need to do. But together, we can conquer anything that comes against us. And we'll do it by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony and not loving our lives to death. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. There's, there's so many more things I could say, but I've got to try to wrap this thing up. 
I just want you to, I want you to keep hearing this. Satan's arch enemy is the church. It's not Jesus Christ because Jesus has already conquered him. That fight is already done. It's not even a thing anymore. But Jesus, who went to heaven, and it says that he's sitting there waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. Who's he waiting on? The devil's not going to just say, oh, let me be your footstool, Jesus. (laughs) No, he's waiting on the church to rise up. And Jesus said that you will tread on scorpions and serpents. And he's needing his people to rise up together as the body of Christ to crush everything that Satan's trying to do in this world. He's actually depending on us to be the ones to make Satan and all the demons his footstool. We are his feet. But, the, but it's the church, and I just, I just need us to get this, that everything out there is trying to tell us that the church is not important. Even in Christianity, we got the kingdom, and I can dip in here, and I can dip in there. I can stay out there, and I don't have to do any of it because I'm already saved, and God's grace is so big. I, I don't need to do that stuff because I'm already good. Well, you're not, actually if you're not part of the body of Jesus Christ, because we need each other, and God created it that way. I'm not saying that if somebody's going to go to hell, I don't know, I can't judge that. My point is, like, when, when you got Satan, and he's trying to deceive the entire world, it's the church, it's the church who's got the protection of the Lord. It's the church that has the dominion of his kingdom, the exousia of Christ, the power, the dunamis. It's the collective. We, like he, God empowers each one of us individually in that way in the context of the church. And you got to see this. If Satan is that angry with the church, it must be important. You guys hear me? This is where I want to get us, all right? So why don't you guys stand up? I'm just, you guys get my heart here. I want to help us to see, like, the stakes are high. (laughs) The, the, The devil is scared of a church that's walking in truth. It's walking in the blood of Jesus. He's scared because he knows he has no power over that. But when he can try to get us to believe lies or to get drifted away from the work of the cross. That's where he finds holes to attack. You you hearing me? (laughs) I think that my message is more theological than uh, activational today, but I I want to help us with our beliefs to just go to the next level. All right, why don't you guys lift your hands to the Lord for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I, I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you will, I, I pray that you will just fill our hearts with a, a, just a connection to your heart for your church. Help us to connect to your heart for the church, Lord. Help us to see, God, 
how great your church is. Lord, we, we, we're, in a, we're in a culture where there's just a lot of negativity about the church because this, because that. Lord, and we can focus on the, on the flaws and miss the greatness. Lord, you see the church, Lord, as the great and mighty one on this earth, Lord. Lord, if the church was as weak and terrible as people make it out to be, the devil would not be on a rampage. But he's on a rampage because he knows his days are short and he knows that we're the greatest threat against him. And Lord, that, he, that he's trying to cause Christians to weaken our value system for the church because if we can do that, his arch enemy just got weak. And it gives him the room to do the things he wants. But that's not who we are. Lord, that is not who we are. God, we are your people. We are your children. We are your family. We are your body. Lord, we are great, God. You've given us salvation. You've given us dunamis power, Lord. You've given us the exousia authority of Jesus Christ. You've given us the kingdom of God, Lord. You've given us Christ, the anointed one. You've given us the, the, the blood of the Lamb. You've given us the testimony, Lord, to, to be declared to make our words powerful about your deeds and who you are, Lord. And, and Lord, we choose to love you no matter what. Why don't you guys, if, if you're able to join me in this prayer, just, just say this to the Lord in your own heart, but I, I'm going to lead us on this. Lord, we want to go all the way with you. No matter what comes against us, Help us to, to anchor to your truth and your word. So deception has no place in. Help us to be anchored to our identities in Christ. So that the accuser has no power on us. And I pray that you'll help us to, to love not our lives unto death. That we will love you more than our own lives. In the face of opposition, help us to rise up, to link arms, to believe in one another, to believe in your body, in the greatness of your people, to be committed to the end, to be strong together, and to conquer all the evil that's around us. And bring your kingdom in. Let your kingdom come, Lord. And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And may we make your enemies your footstool. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, guys. Let's give God a big shout. Come on. Hallelujah. Yeah. Also... Let's, let's just give a big uh, shout to the ecclesia, the church of Jesus Christ. Yeah!
You're powerful.